0: Do it. What's his accent? French. Well, I don't have to do the accent, whatever. Chapter 21. Creditable. You should do the, you should do the accent. Jesus Christ. Chapter 21. Creditable acrobatics, Mr. Carr. Ooh, you, do you like Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> Chapter 21. Creditable acrobatics, Mr. Carr, he said. Okay, try try this. You surprised me. Credible acrobatics, (laughs) monsieur (laughs) Carr. He doesn't say monsieur Carr. He speaks English. Yeah, yeah, but that's what Mr. Beans in this case. I I should roll my R the French way as well.
1: Credible acrobatics.
0: Credible acrobatics, Mr. (laughs) Carr. He said. (laughs) Yeah, you say chapter 20 whatever. Oh, fucking hell. Chapter 21. Creditable I, I, I become I've become Fu Manchu. <laughs> I finally get a short one if you can't even get through that. I'm gonna go back to an Australian voice. No. I, I can't be racist. Creditable it's not chapter. Uh, no, no, but I veer into like what sounds to me more like um Charlie Chan or something.
1: <laughs> well you gotta work on it, buddy.
0: <laughs> chapter twenty-one. Creditable acrobatics, Mr. Carr. <laughs> he said <laughs> fuck you. Chapter you remember 21. You boom on you when he said that. <laughs> chapter <laughs> It just go beforehand. Chapter 21. Confucius. <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> chapter 21. Creditable acrobatics, Mr. Carr. He said, "You surprise me. I would frankly not have thought you capable of it." Hello and welcome to the show. Um that show being for Christ's sake The show in which we plunge face-first into the depths of the Michael Crichton canon, oeuvre, whatever you want to call it. I guess it's an oeuvre. It's not a canon. It's not a a canon. Maybe our canons plunge into the oeuvre that is Michael Crichton's oeuvre. There we go. We'll go with that. Uh, And this week, as last week, as the previous week even though we didn't record last week, but whatever the previous episode was and all, all the other episodes, uh, going back to the point in which we started, at which we started this book, uh, we are reading Scratch One, the second novel Michael Crichton ever published um, under his initial pseudonym as an author, John Lang. My name is Hugh. Your name is Hunter. I've got some things with me. One of those things is a blood-red uh, glass of port. The other of those things is a bowl of hard pretzels, mm. um, in a, in a, in a, encased in a wooden bowl, such as you would find in a bar. How about you, mm. sir? Uh, Not really got, encased because it's open topped. It's just a bowl. It's in a bowl. It's like weed. Exactly. Or is, uh, let I would say
1: exact I got some salt and vinegar chips and I got a blood orange screwdriver. And what has happened in this book so far? Do you want me to say it? Do you want me to answer my question? You do it. All right. So we got a guy named Roger Carr. He's come to France to buy a villa for his client. Gets mistaken for an American assassin who's come to France to make sure an arms deal to Israel goes through. Uh, there's these bad guys called the Associates. They want to kill him. That's basically all there is to it. Let's see. There is a. The, um... oh, man, I just zoned out. Where am I? <laughs> The Associates want to uh, stop the, the deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And they just... They think, also think that Carr is uh, this assassins of his Morgan, who hasn't appeared in the book at all, except for at one point. What else? Uh, Carr has run into a lovely uh, young creature named Anne who he he's fallen madly in love with, and who, unfortunately, is also the romantic target of the villain and head of the Associates, uh,
0: Monsieur Lisselle?
1: Um, the
0: romantic target
1: and the romantic victim. Yeah. So the last couple of chapters, Carr has been um, Shanghai to Li estate, where he's been sort of hanging out. And uh, <laughs> in the last one, he discovered that, uh, you know, at first he was like, oh, Li going to let me fuck his girlfriend, no problem. Uh, but then he discovered that Li is fleeing to Hong Kong and planning on taking the lovely uh, Anne Crittenden with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Carr says he has to put a stop to that. He initially is like... Yeah, so he puts into motion this uh, plan to escape from the compound, which he has been told he can't leave, and this plan revolves around him uh, theoretically seducing uh, the lovely maid, Josette, and stealing her car. Um, First, he decides to do a little bit of espionage and learn what the uh, associates are up to so he can prove... His story to one of the many um, police organizations that have that have an interest in him, uh, so he decides to spy on the associates during one of their meetings, and uh, then he goes back to his hotel room. But who should be waiting there for him? But we sat with a gun, and that's where the last chapter ends. So, uh, what happens next? What what thrilling conclusion does uh, Crichton come up with to resolve this cliffhanger?
0: Well. Um Brighton wrong-footed us because we predicted that the tension would be deflated by um, a revelation that made what happened at the end of the last chapter not what it seemed to be, right?
1: Yeah, you mean the immediate like cliffhanger bit? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what we kind of came to a consensus on. Um, however, it does turn out that um, Lisala knew exactly what Carr was up to and that as you predicted, so I'll give you credit, Josette did not fall for um, Carr's clumsy attempts to woo her, and was fully aware that he had purloined a knife from her kitchen. Well, that's why I get paid the big bucks, right? Yeah, so uh, early on in this chapter, in fact, the very next paragraph after the next paragraph from the one I narrated, Mm. two paragraphs later, um, Lisau himself says, Josette is a most carefully trained servant so it's like rats now all his his plans have been dashed the bad guy knows exactly what he's up to and uh he's in trouble so what happens Does let just uh, shoot him yep Bang. goes the gun a man falls scratch one. end of the book. That's the end of the book. Bleak ending, but appropriate.
1: Well, strong in that it was uh, a surprise. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, unfortunately, the book doesn't end here. Uh, basically, Lee Sal's like, okay, go to your car. And then our good bud does that. And he's like, take down the hood. And Carr does that. And he's like, okay, now get out of here. Get out off.
0: <laughs> You're going to be fine. Now Carr is um, rightly suspicious. Mm. Of, of this turn of events And he wonders As he's, he starts up his car If there's like a bomb strapped onto the hood Or they've messed with the brakes Or something like that And he's going to careen off the side of a mountain um, Lissau also gives him Some vague directions To help him get back to town No, he's a, he's a nice guy Car is still suspicious So he decides it wise to go in the opposite direction Turning right instead of left Mm. Going along a mountain path A winding mountain path Mm -hmm. Steep cliffs uh, on either side Or on one side (laughs) The side of the mountain he happens to be traversing You okay? I'm fine (laughs) Right, you're right So he drives off Um, Everything seems to be going okay He doesn't hear anything wrong with his engine It sounds normal his car seems to be functioning as he would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, then he sees behind him some headlights, and he's like, oh, no, this is it. This is, this, this is them. This must be their plan to so take me out on this mountain pass. Make it look like an accident away from the villa, right? Oh, mm-hmm. boy. That's the only reason he let me go so easily. Uh-huh. And, and the car is coming, and it's, it's, it's gaining on him. He's uh he's bracing himself here it, here it comes i don't know what, what's going to happen. You can do the impression if you like.
1: Oh boy.
0: Yeah, something like that. But the car
1: The is going to kill me.
0: The car actually veers around him and continues on its way and he just sees a gay French couple <laughs> acknowledge him as he passes. Gay is a gay
1: gay isn't straight uh, in this case. Yeah, a
0: gay heterosexual, heterosexual couple. Mm. And, um, he's like, oh, whew. you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll be okay. Maybe I'll be able to escape. Aha, hmm. uh-huh, but what's that? Another car behind me. What? It's a Citroen. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, probably not, <laughs>
1: but I don't know how I pronounce it. So
0: there's a Citroen behind him. what's going on? This is a bit suspicious, and then he hears some strange noises, a ping hmm. and then a sound that sounds like paper being torn, rushing past him, and then he and then the penny drops. Hmm. It's bullets. they're shooting at me. What? So there's one section I sort of highlighted here, yeah, probably the one that I was going to mention too after after he he has the revelation that they're shooting at him, um there's a paragraph. Where it talks about the fact that normally when you're shooting from a motor vehicle, your accuracy is, is shot. Pun intended. Right? With the, with the motion of the car, it's difficult to, to aim, aim at anything yep. really. The bullets are just going to whiz off in all directions.
1: But uh, luckily, very, very luckily for these fine fellows, they decided to hop into a Citroën. Good thing they didn't take car or... Um we uh, sells Ferrari mm. or any other sort of car, but they decided to choose this Citroen, Citroen,
0: however you say it. Citroen? I don't know. Uh, it's got an umlaut over the E. Citroen. Uh, uh, I know it's a French company, so Citroën. other words are
1: Citroen. 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 C'tron. 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 But C'tron. luckily Luckily for them And unlucky for Car Citroen has got the best Uh Axle What was that Can we quote part? this Like can we do a segment <laughs> you could, you Of you could crying Out
0: Loud Because I do want to quote this um, yeah, go for it Go for it First cue the theme song Is riding mm-hmm. man proud Come on let's hear it Right about now For Crichton Thank you. The reason I want to quote this is that it sounds like a car commercial. (laughs) In a lot of ways, it's the strangest part of this book. It is, yeah. And I need to sort of set this up a bit more. We've already talked about the fact that there's this paragraph about how inaccurate you normally are if you try to shoot something from a moving vehicle, right? Mm. And because of the way this indirect narration kind of works, it's not actually clear in this context if that's just the omniscient Michael Crichton slash John Lang adding some contextual commentary to the story or whether it's supposed to be capturing the perspective of car thinking about like that. He, he's already aware of the fact that if you try and shoot things from a moving car, you'll be wildly inaccurate. And I don't know why he would possess that knowledge. Mm. But anyway, it seems to follow based on what I'm about to read out that he he was well, He was thinking along those lines. He was thinking about accuracy from a moving vehicle, maybe because all the bullets seemed to be whizzing by him and not actually hitting anything vital, right? Mm. And here's the quote. But then he remembered the Citroen suspension, the smooth, fine ride which cushioned even the heaviest bumps. No wonder they were using a Citroen. It was the finest, most advanced suspension in the world. With the axles set far apart, to get the maximum wheelbase out of the chassis, and the air oil springing, which was one of the engineering triumphs of the automobile industry, shooting from a Citroen would be like shooting from a living room couch. <laughs> End of quote.
1: Speaking of uh, living room couches, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where Crichton wrote this particular passage. Maybe he was like <laughs> had a dead wine and turned on the TV and was like, "Oh boy, what what do I what do I do? How do I how do I get the word count out?" The, the, Beautiful Citrion commercial came on and uh, <laughs> provided him copy enough to finish this. <laughs> Very strange.
0: But anyway, that's, a, that's a, something I didn't know. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, neither did I. So apparently if uh, we ever need to drive by, shoot someone, say uh, Patrick Gagewell, we'll be buy Citrion <laughs> to do the job.
0: What is car to do to escape the uh, wrath of the Citro? Well, um he realizes that he has the advantage of speed, I think, at some point. Or at least uh on this particular road, it is inadvisable to go at a certain speed. Yeah, right. Yeah. From a certain point onwards, the road becomes unmanageable. And because he's fearing for his life, he's he's got his foot all the way down on the accelerator.
1: Mm.
0: He's maxing it out. Mmm. He's feeling the, the reverberation from the road because he's going at such a high velocity at this particular point that every little bump is sort of magnified, amplified even. it's probably a better way of putting it. Mm. And uh, the Citroen is being a bit more cautious, right? Mm. Maybe it can't reach the same speed or maybe it knows that it won't be able to handle it at, at such a speed. So he's, he's gaining a little bit of uh, time. Mm. And he's rounding these corners. He's bumping off walls, but somehow managing to keep control. Mm. And, uh, and then he has an idea. We don't yet know what the idea is, but he has one. Um, he pulls ahead even further, gains a few more seconds. And then he sees like a particularly dangerous bend in the road, right? Upcoming. He's like, that's perfect. So he slams on the brake car swings around it's now horizontal across the road the road has become particularly narrow at this point and the car horizontally is blocking the entire road and i don't know if you mentioned the fact that it's around a blind
1: turn so around a blind turn yes that is good to say because so that the
0: car would be able to
1: anticipate it
0: yes so he's laid a trap right Ugh. he's leapt out of the vehicle and he's jumped over the side of the wall. Mm. Over the side of the cliff, essentially. Mm. Um, but fortunately, he lands on the uh, gentler incline of a hill. And not just down a sheer cliff face. Mm. And he scrabbles down a bit. And then what happens?
1: Well, the, Does his uh, trap work? the citron, the uh, superior um, you know, make of it doesn't prevent it from... Uh, slamming right into that uh, horizontally arrayed car, and uh, you know, one thing becomes another. It explodes. Um, I didn't really get cars reasoning that they must have had a volatile cocktail or Molotov cocktail, but you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, he sees he sees the interior go up in red flame, mm. and he he deduces that they had some sort of yeah. Uh, flammable device in there, I guess
1: Yeah, I mean, sure, whatever, who cares So, uh, yep, that's some dead bad guys
0: What, what I didn't quite understand um, And this was a little earlier than the crash itself When he's, when he, when he realizes what their plan is Their plan is to shoot out his tire Yeah Not just, not shoot out his windshield or shoot him in the back of the head Which they could have easily done But shoot out his tire so it looks like an accident And he careens over the side of the cliff, right? Yeah, And then it explodes. And then I guess they throw a Molotov cocktail in there to for good measure.
1: Yeah, I actually also had some questions about this.
0: <laughs> the thing is, they say, like, why would it look like a complete accident? Wouldn't there still be bullet holes in the car? Because it hit the trunk several times. And, and even under the force of the explosion and the impact, mm. you'd probably find some bullet hole residue and stuff, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I, I didn't really get that. It would have been better if they did just fiddle with the brakes. Yeah, for sure. Way more cleaner. <laughs> he didn't <could> even <laughs> check those. And still, then like, still trailed him to make sure it happened. Yeah. And, you know, then gone to plan B if necessary, but or in the just first like, instance, You could just,
1: like, chase him so that he is forced to build up speed, you know? Yeah, and just exactly. Be like, okay, yeah, yeah. you know, we stop, and then, you know, he's going to try to break, and then he's fucked. He would have tried to do his trick and he would to just
0: flown off. <laughs> 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 it would have been great. <laughs>
1: it would have... But unfortunately, we don't get that. What we do get is car going to some random old people and asking to use their
0: phone. Yep. What happens next? Um, he calls... He First, he tries to call Gorman, but he can't find a listing for him in the directory. So he calls the police station and tries to get uh, Captain Vicar. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, he's able to.
1: You know, eventually he meets up with Vicar and he basically repeats the plot of it off to this point again. <laughs>
0: Uh, he meets Vicar, up with Vicar and Gorman.
1: Yeah. And Vicar um, tells him that he's a member of, yeah, I don't know, like there's some division. I didn't know if that was supposed to be he was a CIA man or whatever French intelligence service. Who cares?
0: Some bureau is is all we know, really. Uh, it says, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce that. Do, do you see him? It doesn't matter. Who cares?
1: So he's an agent, too. Uh, yeah, Carr tells him what's up. He tells him what he overheard.
0: And they, in, in exchange, they tell him what's up as well. Yeah, for I, I don't really understand why they would do that, but, you know, whatever. I don't understand either. Like, initially, he says, I'm not going to tell you anything unless you first tell me exactly what's going on, which Gorman is reluctant to do, and that's when Vicar steps out, reveals he's part of the Bureau or whatever, and um, goes, go on, just tell him. It's like, why?
1: But he cares. So, basically... Um what is up is that the map that um, Carr oversaw or looked at was a map of uh, the Monaco Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. And apparently, uh, you know, it's a character we haven't really talked about that much, but uh, Victor Jinning is going to race in it, and they're going to assassinate him because he's going to sell arms to Israel or something like that. Yep. Uh, doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me, to be honest, but, you know,
0: whatever. The thing that um, the keyword or words that Carr overheard when he was eavesdropping on the Associates. Yeah, Tribune R. He heard something about Tribune R, and that turns out to be a a particular section of the track, or at least a building or something that that the cars go past. Yeah. And that would seem like a good place to stage an assassination if one wanted to shoot someone in the race. Yeah, but they're quick to point out that they could have changed their plan
1: because they knew that Carr had overheard them.
0: Of course, yes.
1: So, uh, they could be anywhere. That's how the chapter ends, with Fakar being, say, they could be anywhere. And that's where our episode's going to end, too, I believe, unless you have other stuff you want to mention.
0: We also do get the revelation that we already knew that um, Gorman's psychiatrist was an associate. Mm. And uh, Victor Jennings' wife. Victor Jennings' wife, yeah. The particular picture that he paints of like american intelligence is, is kind of interesting <laughs> yeah it makes him seem like uh dipos. completely incompetent
1: <laughs> no so i don't remember if it's this chapter or the last chapter but i have to say we misjudged the racism of this book too
0: yes i i it is this chapter
1: because i highlighted it as well because uh, it turns out that this organization is not uh algerian nationals it's not uh arab uh, algerians it is made up of Pied Noir, which if anyone is not familiar with uh, French Algerian history, basically French colonial settlers of Algeria who were basically all forcibly returned to Algeria after it won its independence, and then waged sort of like a shadow civil war with the uh, French government after that was done. Hmm. So apologies to the long-deceased Michael Crichton. You're not uh, racist, at least not in this particular instance. Actually, you know what, um... Probably the real bad guys were these, uh, <laughs> uh, like, right-wing French groups who wanted to maintain uh, French control over Algeria. So,
0: Well, you've taught me something because I thought, I didn't look it up, but I assumed the noir part of that was, like, in keeping with the usage in France. <laughs> no, it's, it doesn't mean, like, black people.
1: I mean, it might in other cases, but the specific the specific phrase pied noir just means like uh, black
0: footed, which is like,
1: I don't know. Why yeah. I
0: yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So because I didn't know the what the pied part denoted at the time, I couldn't, I couldn't be bothered looking it up. I just assumed it was racist. <laughs> but thank you. Yeah. So, uh, again, apologies to Mr. Mr. Michael we'll, well,
1: I'm sure we'll touch on your racism at other points in other books, but not in this one at this point.
0: So. Mm. all right well uh that's all we got for you today folks i think i think so let me just double check I, i'm assuming it's mentioned in this chapter but uh, at one point Vakar says he's going to send up a team to LaSalle's villa sure sure and he gets um car to commit to testifying against them yeah yeah uh, against
1: yeah against LaSalle.
0: Particularly regarding the fact that he witnessed the murder, Pirani, or whoever it was. Yeah, yeah, it was Pirani. And then it's revealed that the villa is deserted by the time they get there. That might be the next chapter. Yeah, not a shock, but uh, we get to be careful (laughs) now. Exactly. All right. uh,
1: See you next time. (laughs) Bye.